ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. One last time, everyone. Devin Henry here on BlazeRadioOnline.com coming at you live, like I said, one last time from the Bill Austin Radio Studio here in downtown Phoenix, live on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Guys, it's the final show, but there's still so much going on in Arizona Pro Sports and Arizona News. Oh my gosh, guys, the NFL draft is tomorrow. The Phoenix Suns might have the number one pick in the NBA draft. Draft lottery coming up soon in May. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, the D-backs are winning baseball games. And of course, ASU softball is still for the six-week ranked in the top ten. And also, it's tournament time. It's conference tournament time for ASU water polo. We're going to touch on ASU water polo and take a look at how they might fare in this weekend tournament. But before we get anywhere at all, we all know exactly where we need to start off. This final clutch talk, it is always your ASU sports headline. Yeah, yeah, go, go figure. It's going to be on the baseball diamond again. No, 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 not ASU baseball. We'll get to that in a minute, though. What we're going to talk about here. It's about ASU softball. They lost the Territorial Cup point. Territorial Cup standings are now tied at eight apiece with Arizona taking a 2-1 series win against Arizona State University. ASU took the first game, though, 2-1. It was a fun game to watch. I was able to call it on Mixler.com backslash Blaze Radio Online. It was a fun game the last two games. While they were still exciting and still very close as one went into extras after a tying run in the seventh inning, ASU ends up losing and gives up four runs Saturday and Sunday. you got to be a little bit happy, though, in the emergence of Jay Gortarez. Not only did she get on base a couple times, but then also in that Oregon series, she had that one game where she was one hit away from the cycle. She's really kind of grown into her own here at ASU this season. But then something that I thought was interesting going into the series and that I kind of researched myself uh, for that Arizona game to start things off was uh, the Fresno State transfers. Uh, Mitch here, our sports update buddy. One last time. Thank you again, Mitch, for being our sports update guy this semester. But uh, something that uh, was written about a little bit was those Fresno State transfers. They, they weren't really sure exactly what was going to happen with Arizona. They know it's territorial cup. They know it's rivalry softball, and they know it's a big deal. But they weren't 100% sure that they understood exactly what it would be like. I guarantee you. They know now. Kendra Hackbarth, um, Maddie Hackbarth's twin sister, jacks a home run to lead off an inning to tie the ball game on Friday. She literally, after rounding first, she almost stopped in her tracks, jumped up and down, pumping her fists in the air. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to see through those softball visors, but it was so obvious that she had so much joy inside of her. I mean, she was just so ecstatic hitting that home run against the University of Arizona and being as, as young as her and her twin sister Maddie are. The, they'll understand now, I think, this, a, uh, this ASU-U of A rivalry moving forward, especially after these losses on Saturday and Sunday. Another Fresno State transfer, Morgan Howe, of course, learned a little bit about this when the Frosh Daniel Gibson hit her in to win the game on Friday. So the freshman and then two of those Fresno State transfers 
they understand what this territorial cup is uh, after this first series. But so, what what did we get? through this series. What did we learn through this University of Arizona series? Well, U of A now moves up into the top 10 again. They are now 10th in the nation. ASU is still ranked on top of them, though, seen at the number nine spot. Six straight weeks, like I opened the show with. Six straight weeks, this team has been ranked in the top 10 in the nation. Morgan Howe hasn't been fantastic like she was at the start of the year, but then you have, like I said, the freshman Danielle Gibson going out and leading this team in band average. The Hackbarth sisters, whether it's getting it done on the batch or getting it done uh, behind the plate catching for Maddie, they're doing a fabulous job keeping this team in line and keeping this team winning ball games, even though they had tough series losses against both Oregon and the University of Arizona. But I think that this shows that Arizona State softball has a chance to get over the regional hump this year. I definitely think that what the, how they played, I should say, against Arizona and against Oregon shows exactly what this team is made out of. And I think those two losses to Oregon, uh, I don't think that that was this ASU team that I think they really are. I think that against Oregon they could really go 2-1. and one. Oregon now the number two team in the nation. Then they also took a series against Washington, the then number one, now number four team in the nation. In case you didn't know, the Pac-12 accounts for half of the top ten with UCLA at one, Oregon at two, Washington at four, ASU at nine, and Arizona at ten. This is the toughest conference in the NCAA. There's not a question about it because they host the best teams in the NCAA, no question, because I think Arizona and ASU are better than nine and ten, actually. I think that uh, that, that the Pac-12 hosts the top seven, five of the top seven schools in the NCAA, Oklahoma after again, whooped by Oregon. I don't think there's a lot of teams that can stand at the Pac-12 schools. I think that ASU finally gets over the regional hump, and I think ASU softball is moving up. I mean, I went this entire segment so far without even mentioning G. Juarez. That's how good this team is when one of the best pitchers in the NCAA is not mentioned about how great this team is to start this off. ASU softball has so much going for, like like I need to say, Juarez, top 10 in ERA, tied for first still in shutouts. Only four series left at Utah, at New Mexico State. Here, home finale, series against Stanford. And then they're going to end the season against current number one, UCLA. And I think that's really going to show exactly what kind of fire firepower this team can pack and a kind of punch that they're able to throw when this team gets into regionals. Of course, regionals not a question now. It's if they can finally get over that hump and head to Super Regionals. If not, the Women College World Series. One of my most disappointing points about uh, ending Clutch Talk now, it's the final episode of Clutch Talk here on Blaze Radio, is I can't talk more about ASU softball. Because there's so much more to talk about. There's so much more to do when it comes to softball here at Arizona State University. Because this team is going to do something special this year and in the future as well. I come from a high school that had a rich softball tradition. And I, th I think I mentioned it last week when I was watching uh, ASU down a ton of giving up their most runs to Oregon. Uh, those are the most runs that they've given up since 2016 to UCLA. And watching the stream team for, uh, from ASU on the Pac-12 live stream, they, they pan the bench when this team is down eight runs, and they're joking, and they're laughing, and they're still having a good time. After the game, they're doing a Q&A with young softball players. They're going out and signing autographs, and they're still laughing and having fun after they get whooped by Oregon, and they get very tough losses against the University of Arizona. This is a family atmosphere with ASU softball that's going to be here for a long time. And 
there's so much mental and so much emotional when it comes to sports. That level is so intense that I think that just that family atmosphere is going to get them through to Super Regionals besides all of the boatload of talent that this team stores. This is going to be a fun team to watch in the coming years, guys. Another team that might be fun to watch, though, is going to be ASU Baseball. I said might. I didn't say is. I didn't say it's not. I said might. Be a fun team to watch in the future. They just swept Utah this past weekend to advance to 17-22 and 22 on the year. 35-19 was the combined three-game score, ASU versus Utah. Uh, I was there for Game 7, stream team, hashtag stream team, uh, for ASU. And Eli Lingo started this game six innings, only allowed two runs. And then he gets taken out of the game. The next three innings, there's six runs allowed. The bullpen's not fantastic. Let's, let, let's not act like this is ASU softball or anything. The ASU baseball bullpen in the pitching staff just isn't spectacular. Once you get by Eli Lingos, there's not much there. Still waiting on Vanderkoy to get back. Chaz Montoya hasn't created uh, this relief pitcher that we were, that honestly I was really expecting because, you know, he's a Peoria guy. I, I want to see Montoya succeed. But nonetheless, this team just doesn't go anywhere on the bullpen after you pass by Lingos. The, I think that that's all said and done. ASU baseball is not really competing for postseason this year. 17-22 uh, on the year. And once again, we run into this question in year number four of Tracy Smith's tenure here at Arizona State University. Is his job at Jeopardy? Is his job gone, essentially, after coming off of the worst season in program history last year? 111 wins, 100 losses. That's where Tracy Smith is currently sitting with Arizona State University in his fourth year. But take a look at the Pac-12 standings, I dare you. Because what I was very interested and surprised by is that ASU is mid-pack in the Pac-12. I know that doesn't sound great, but it's not Utah. It's not all those other schools on the bottom. Quite frankly, ASU is a top-five team in the Pac-12, which is surprising to say when you look at their record of 17-22 and 22, and they're hovering around 500 all year long in conference play. It's a little bit surprising, but skip Tracy Smith. I don't think that his job is in jeopardy this year. Ray Anderson, the athletic director here at Arizona State University, came out and said his job is safe. He did that last week. It was about six days ago now where he said Tracy Smith's job is not gone. Yes, he's had an entire graduating class now, but look at the W's that this team has moving into the future. Junior Gage Cannon, who will be a senior leader next year, no question. Ninth in the NCAA in hits, first in triples, and he has held that for a very long time. Then, of course, a skipper recruit here. Freshman Spencer Torkelson, 20 home runs. That leads the NCAA and also destroyed Barry Bonds' freshman home run record here at Arizona State University. I usually say, kind of like what I said with, with uh, Coach Todd Graham, Coach Bobby Hurley, you got to give them at least a graduating class because these coaches that ASU are hiring, they're not bottom of the barrel, scratching the bottom kind of coaches. They're good coaches. There are coaches who have even won awards in other places, Tracy Smith being one of those coaches. I think that you give him a graduating class, boom, he's had four years now. But I think that if you give him time to develop Spencer Torkelson defensively, because obviously he can rock offensively. Gage Canning being a senior leader here at Arizona State University. I think that he gets at least one more year. At least one more year to put this team back into regional play. I think that his job is by all means safe this year. I think that they could even sign a two-year deal with him. I think that they'd be that safe to give him six total years here at ASU. But... Let's not overstate anything. I don't think that his job is on the hot seat right now. I think that his job, for the most part, is safe. 
I think his job is going to be okay for at least one more year. And this year's coming to a close, though. Five series left as well as two single games. One of those single games will be tonight at 6.30 on the road or actually uh, here at home at Phoenix Muni uh, against New Mexico State University. After that, they will have a three-game series on the road against Oregon State. But, of course, I want to hear from you guys at Clutch Talk ASU or myself at DevonHenry77. I want to know what you think about Coach Tracy Smith. Skip. Is he going to be sticking around? What do you think? Should he be fired? Should he be sticking here? What do you think about the hot seat there? ASU softball. I got to know a little bit more about ASU softball. What do you guys think about them? Will they make it over the Super Regional hump? Unfortunately, I won't be here to talk about with you guys anymore here on Blaze Radio. Oh, I know it's so sad, but everything good has to come to an end. We still got plenty more on this show. Got to give a shout-out, though, to Water Polo, the MPSF, the Water Polo Pack 12 equivalent. The conference tournament is starting up on Friday. ASU is ranked fifth. They will play the number four UCLA. Remember the NPSF that ASU is in has won every single national championship in women's water polo. It's a tough conference. ASU will take on UCLA. I think this is the best for them because this is the the MPSF team that I think that they really have a chance to beat. It's really the only team that they have a chance to beat. The loser uh, has the ability to play in the third place bracket, but the winner can take on number one USC and give them a fight. Obviously, UCLA is their best chance to go to the semifinal in this conference tournament. But I think the big question here is can they finally get that natty berth? Unfortunately, I can't talk anymore about that with you guys because I won't be here anymore to talk about it when water polo ends this tournament this weekend. But guys, plenty more coming up here on Clutch Talk. Suns draft picks, Cardinals draft picks, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. There was a poll. They picked their favorite jersey. What was it? I'll tell you coming up next. Yeah, we talking the big Arizona pro, uh, pro sports headlines. Here on your local student sports show on your local student station, Clutch Talk on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Stick around, I'll be back on the other side. You're listening to Clutch Talk with Devin Henry. Yeah, start me up, guys. We're talking Arizona Pro Sports here on Clutch Talk. I'm your host one last time, Devin Henry. I know I, I actually probably don't sound much better than I did last week. Yeah, the, the throat problem just won't go away. I mean, I don't know, man. But you know who else won't go away? The Arizona Diamondbacks. They have been hot all early season long. They are 16-6 and six to start the year. 16-6. and six. That's good enough for second best in the MLB. Number one in the NL. That's right, the Dodgers are not. Number one in the NL right now. Sorry, 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 all you Dodger fans. I know we got plenty of them here in Arizona. But nonetheless, guys, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're rocking and they're rolling just like the Rolling Stones. No, uh, Patrick Corbin against the Padres a couple days ago, 11 strikeouts. Patrick Corbin has absolutely stepped up. And once again, I, I, I feel like a broken record. I say this almost every show. Who would have thought that it would not be the batting and it would be the pitching making the D-backs have started. They're like mid-pack in batting right now, but they're top five in pitching. And then they're also top ten in fielding. The defense for the Arizona Diamondbacks has been stellar enough to keep them 16-6 and on the year, just coming off of a dub against the Phillies. They're doing fantastic. They are fourth in the MLB in ERA, and that is everyone. That is this whole group. Granke, Corbin, all the bunch. Meanwhile, Walker is out having surgery. You would think that something like that would actually put a little bit of a dent not even. 
the Arizona Dimex are still rocking and rolling. They're having a good time. Watching them on social media and watching them at the games are fun because they're having a good time. When your team is having a good time, it's fun to watch baseball. And that's exactly what the Arizona Dimebacks are doing. The stadium is filling up. Remember when the D-backs were complaining that there's too many seats? Well, guess what? They're selling the place out now because they're winning games. Yeah, that's simple, huh? You win games and you sell out. I don't know. I don't know who thought of that one. But there's still plenty of games to go. We're 22 games in. That brings us, I don't know, what, like 15% the way through? through the season. I mean, we, 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 still, we still got quite a ways to go here. There's still plenty that can go wrong. Uh, obviously, there's some people going out there and predicting the Diamondbacks to win the NL West, actually, and win over 90 games this year. That's a lot, but we're still a long way away. Of course, there are always pending injuries and so, so much more. But I think that there's going to be a certain X factor on this team. I think that there's going to be an X factor that's going to put this team either above the Dodgers and Rockies or below the Dodgers and Rockies. And I think that's going to go behind the plate. I think it's going to be at the catcher position. They have been throwing that spot around to essentially three main players uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He had John Ryan Murphy. He has the best batting average out of the three. Jeff Mathis, of course, was the guy... Basically, last year, who, who took most of the pitches, and Alex Avila, who has the most at-bats for a catcher. Of course, I'm talking offensive stats for a catcher. The reason there is because of how, I won't say dismal, but mid-pack that the D-backs have been in batting, even though they're still going out and beating teams soundly, dare I say. But the point here is that, yeah, while the pitching is so good, I think that you need to have someone behind the plate who can go out and hit the ball and keep this team above because the pitching staff is doing a good job in maintaining the opposing team. Now you need to have someone who can help this rotation without J.D. Martinez, as we know, go out and keep this team above whatever their pitching staff can hold on to. So I think that's going to end up being your big X factor this season is at the catcher position. John Ryan Murphy has been pretty dang good so far. While he hasn't taken the most at-bats so far, he does have the best batting average, and he has been there quite a few times. It's not like he's been there once or twice to, to the plate. He's been there a number of times. Meanwhile, Alex Avila is a fantastic pickup by the Diamondbacks. He has the most at-bats. And he's not doing all that bad at the catcher spot either. Nonetheless, though, the news that I think we need to get to definitely is going to be that I believe it's AZ Central. They took a poll with every single D-backs player. The Diamondbacks have so, so many jerseys. They have the 98 throwbacks. They have the regular throwbacks. They have 20,000 versions of what they have right now. They have worn a total of seven different jerseys this year. They haven't worn two of their regular jerseys. And then, of course, there's the Mother's Day, the Father's Day, Memorial Day. All those special holiday ones were taken out. It's just the core ones that they're going to wear this year. And they were polled. What is your favorite jersey? And I was surprised by the results. By a landslide, the favorite voted jersey was the white and teal jersey. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the neon teal outline. I actually kind of like the white and red better. But the second, get this, the second favorite was the red and black with the, with the A for Arizona patch on the chest. Not even the full D-back script on it. It was. I'm like, hmm, that's very interesting. Not to mention the Arizona Diamondbacks are 3-1 and one wearing the teal, 3-0 and oh wearing the black. They've only lost six games, though, so it's hard to skew those numbers in a negative light. So, are the jerseys doing anything? Maybe, maybe not. But it is funny to see that these guys actually have two outlandish favorites by a landslide. That's just me. I still think that the white and red and then the black or slash gray and red are my favorites, but like no one on the D-backs team voted for that. But I'm also not making millions of dollars a year. So nonetheless, we're going to move away from the Diamondbacks. We know they're good. Let's talk about bad teams now. 
Woo! Now, we're going to start with the Phoenix Suns. They ended the year 21 and 61. The NBA Draft Lottery coming up May 15th. Phoenix Suns have the best chance at getting the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Will they get it with their luck? Probably not. But they do have the best odds to get the number one pick. And since this is the last clutch talk, I want to talk about where they should go if they do so get that number one pick. And there's a number of people out there uh, who are saying that if someone who doesn't, uh, someone who takes away the number one, number one pick from the Suns, the Suns' number one draft pick might still be on the board. It's a very scattered uh, top of the NCAA right now for players who have declared for the draft, as well as a couple of European players. But when you look at what's going to be important in this draft, it's that Devin Booker is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of next year. What I mean by that is this team is still so scattered. You have veteran leadership. You have a lot of young guns. No one in their prime. I've talked about this before, guys. There's no one who meets in the middle right now. So if you're going to go into the draft with the number one overall pick, you need to pick someone who's going to go out game number one and work well with Devin Booker because he has a chance to walk away. He has a, This is a kid who is my age, for crying out loud, who is going to take a huge role. You know, we're, we're talking about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis is still really young and Donovan Mitchell. We're talking about all these young kids right now who are in the playoffs. Devin Booker is a part of this extremely young core who has the ability to do something special in the next 10 years. Devin Booker has a chance to go down as one of the best players in the NBA in this era of we're getting this brand new young talent starting up. With the Phoenix Suns, he's with one of the worst teams in the NBA and he's not getting any recognition. With his chance to do something so special as being one of the best in this era, he's not going to want to stick around on a team that sucks for the next five years. Sorry. But, amazingly enough, he's already mentioned he wants a five-year max extension. He wants to stay in Phoenix. That's something for the last ten years that people will not go out and, and say. Steve Nash didn't want to stay with the Suns. He wanted to go to L.A. to try to win a championship. Of course, we know how that went. But nonetheless, Devin Booker wants to stay here. He just bought a multi-million dollar house in Scottsdale not too long ago. He actually wants to stay in Phoenix. That should be a big deal to Suns fans in the Suns front office. And when you go into the draft, Devin Booker should be the first person you're getting into their ear and listening to what they have to say. Where do I think would be the best spot for the Phoenix Suns to pick someone up? Sorry, ASU fans, but it's DeAndre Ayton. People say that the center spot is dead. Go and watch the Utah Jazz play with the OKC Thunder. They are giving them a mess. Go watch Anthony Davis Throw out the trailblazers to the wind. The center spot is still a big deal. Look back at Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash and what they were able to do off the pick and roll. If you can get DeAndre Jordan, or DeAndre Jordan, woo, DeAndre Aiden. If you can get DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker going off of a pick and roll, just like Stad and Nash did back in the day, that could be a fun team. DeAndre Aiden has the ability to score at the rim. Buffalo did it. No one else could really do it. But I mentioned when ASU lost to U of A, the only way you need to stop U of A is by stopping DeAndre Aiden. He just camps out by the hoop, and then he goes right into the hoop real quick. He's that tall. He's that big, and no one in the NCAA could guard him. If the front office for the Phoenix Suns can develop him, one, two years even, into a strong player down on the block and a good defensive presence, this is a team with Josh Jackson, Marquise Chris, all those young guns, Devin Booker, and possibly DeAndre Aiden, they could be, they could be like the Sixers in two years. Why not? 
Why can't they be a six seed in the West? Two, three years. Why not? If they have a rising Devin Booker peaking almost to his prime, a young DeAndre Aiden, who him and Booker hopefully work well with, there's a lot that you can do there. Other possible picks is a guard from Real Madrid, the Western Dewitch show with Harley Year. I was talking about Luka Doncic. I'm sure I said that wrong. Oh, well. I don't like that as a pick because that's a guard. I think you already have your player in Devin Booker. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. out of Michigan State, another center. But once again, I think DeAndre, ba- uh, DeAndre Aiden is a better player than Jaron Jackson Jr. Sorry, Michigan State fans. If the Phoenix Suns get the number one overall pick, it has to be DeAndre Aiden. If they get the number three overall pick, I still think they should go out and get DeAndre Aiden because I think he might still be on the board because there's interest in Jaron Jaron Jackson Jr. Say that five times fast. Holy cow. And then also Donkic is not who you want, but I think that someone else might just like him. Aiden could be in the first five picks and not picked. The Suns will more than likely be in the top five of the NBA draft. And I think that's who they should go with. Another draft coming up. And by coming up, I mean tomorrow. The Arizona Cardinals picking 15th in the NFL draft. So I've talked about this before and where I think they should go. The Cardinals need help in a lot of spots. Secondary, D-line, O-line, receivers, future quarterback, everywhere else. You know, Dave Johnson's cool, though. They got running back. That's about it. So where do you go with the draft, then? Do you go for an offensive lineman, a guard or a tackle, maybe? Defensive line, secondary. Obviously, your receiving core is about to be dwindled once Larry Fitzgerald eventually he has to retire, right? Maybe not. No, I, I won't go that deep. He- he'll eventually retire, I think. But... Look at the QB depth right now. There's currently four quarterbacks on this roster. Sam Bradford, we know. Mike Lennon, most of us know. And then second-year players, Brandon Doty and Alec Torgerson. I don't know if those two are going to be staying on the roster, but here's where I'm going with this. They have Glennon to be a little bit of depth to Bradford. Something happens to Bradford. We all know he's injury-prone. But something about Bradford, just like Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner, when he's healthy... He's good. Sometimes better than good. Sometimes an all-star caliber player when healthy for a whole year, like I said, Palmer and Warner, two quarterbacks at or over their peak, dare I say, when they move to the Arizona Cardinals. This is a guy who you, who you can get three quality years out of if he's not injured, I think, still, even though he's you know not the youngest in the world. There is talks about the Cardinals trading up. We don't have a a word if they're going to for sure trade up or not right now. But currently at 15, I still think that they could have the spot to take a quarterback. There are some people that are predicting that in the first 15 spots, five QBs are already going to be gone. There's a lot of quarterback talent, but there's a lot of teams in the top 10 picking who need a quarterback. Like the Browns need like four or five of them, to be honest. But they only have three picks. This is where I think that the Cardinals need to Locked down. If there is still three quarterbacks, three of those main six quarterbacks still open, you have to take a quarterback first round. Because I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think that the best way to raise a quarterback in the NFL without a farm system like the MLB is to put them three years, two years maybe, under a veteran quarterback like Sam Bradford and have them develop. When Sam Bradford retires or the contract expires, boom. You throw out that young gun who you've been training for two, three years, and they do well. They're not under the spotlight. They don't have all the weight of the world on their shoulders as a 20-year-old, you know? But I I would like to think that's why they got Sam Bradford is not a permanent solution, but a mentor position. 
because I don't think Mike Lennon is going to be the future of Arizona Cardinals football either. So I think that you have to try to go out and get a quarterback. Quite frankly, I like Josh Allen. Go look back and compare him to Carson Wentz because they're both from FCS schools. Carson Wentz won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. Carson Wentz isn't the greatest, and I know that Josh Allen isn't the same as Carson Wentz. But the drop-off there, both from FCS schools, it's not all that different from each other. I still like Lamar Jackson, quite frankly. I like his versatility. I like his athleticism. I think that if Josh Allen and LaMarcus Jackson are still on the board at 15, you take one of them. I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield. I mean, I don't know if he's, re- if he's ready for a leadership position or not. I don't know if he's really going to have the ability to, to, to hit quarterback throws in the NFL. I also think that he's going to be taken before number 15 in the draft as well, though. So, end of story. I just end of story, of course, because Clutch Talk is done after this. But I think that if there are still three quarterbacks on the board, the Arizona Cardinals need to take a quarterback at the number 15 pick when the draft comes out tomorrow. So, guys, we only have one more segment left here on Clutch Talk with myself, Devin Henry. We're coming to the end, guys, but don't worry. There's still so much fun to be had because it is playoff season. We got so much to talk about when it comes to the playoffs. So much more fun left here on Clutch Talk. But remember, you can listen to every episode of Clutch Talk at mixcloud.com backslash my name, Devin Henry. Every single episode, including this one. And also, this episode is being recorded right now. And if you're watching it on YouTube, you know that, actually. But you can also watch this on YouTube as well. One more segment left in Clutch Talk. I'll see you one more time on the other side. Clutch Talk with Devin Henry. Rocking one more time here on BlazeRadioOnline.com. I'm Devin Henry, the car hot, the best of the 1950s and 60s, going year by year. My favorite songs from 1954 to 1969 coming up next, the final episode of the car hop. Guys, final segment, and we got to talk none other than playoff season, baby. Yes, that's right. If you are a fan of sports, this is your season. NBA playoffs. NHL playoffs. This is it, baby. Here we go. So, final episode, final segment. What are we going to talk about? Not Arizona sports, but we're going to talk about some of the best sports stories of the year because we are going to start with the NHL playoffs. Why do I say it's the best sports stories of the year? The Las Vegas Golden Knights, man. Talked about with Weston DeWitt last year, or last week, last year. Ooh. Man, this show's already feeling so old to me. No, but talk to Weston do it about it. You can always go back and listen to that at Mixcloud.com backslash Devin Henry or SoundCloud.com backslash Devin Henry 77. And we talked about how spectacular this team is and the fact that they swept the LA Kings. I think they're going to whoop the San Jose Sand Sharks. And I think that the only team really standing in their way is the Predators. I think that is the only thing standing in the way of the Las Vegas Golden Knights going to the Stanley Cup in their inaugural season. That's just amazing. Days after the Las Vegas shooting, this team comes together and does the improbable. This team comes together, the first ever team in Las Vegas. Man, poor Raiders. I feel bad for the Raiders. They got a lot to live up to, don't they? No, this is... It's, it's probably the most underrated now because of how much it has fallen to the side because of everything going on and the fact that the Las Vegas shooting isn't still in people's minds anymore. 
But this team has bonded a city through sports. And I think that's something amazing that I think that we really need to focus on a little bit more that I think this team is either going to go and see the Lightning or the Caps or the Penguins in the Stanley Cup championship. This is, I mean, it's really amazing. And I really wish that we could talk a little bit more about it. I wish I was more fluent in hockey so I could talk a little bit more about it to you guys. But I just want to remind everyone who's not watching the NHL playoffs that this is ridiculous. This is insane. They take on the Sand Sharks. That starts up soon. We still have to finish the series. Only game seven between the Maple Leafs and the Bruins. Jets and Predators. That's going to be the other. That's just still going to be the Western side. That's going to be whoever wins plays the Knights. And I think that the Knights will either take down the Jets or the Predators. Looking on the other side, I think that the Bruins beat the Maple Leafs tonight. Will be one two on that top part of the East. Lightning take down the Bruins. And I would like to say that they take on the Penguins. I don't know what to tell you. The Caps are good. The Penguins are good. I don't know what to tell you about that. But I think it's going to be one of those three teams, meaning the Las Vegas Golden Knights, for it all, baby. I think that that's going to be an extremely fun series to, uh, to watch. And, guys, just remember, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Holy cow. Something amazing. As I said, I'm not fluent in hockey, so we're going to move on. We're going to move on to something that I am extremely fluent in, and that is basketball. And these playoffs have been ridiculous. I love them so much, guys. I'm watching as much basketball as I possibly can. I feel like I didn't watch enough. But, man, how about the physicality in the Utah OKC series and the Philadelphia-Miami series? I mean, Goran Dorado just straight up gib slapped. If you don't know what that is, watch NCIS. Um, ben Simmons. It, it was hilarious because I love Goran Dorodrick. Total bias here. But, I mean, it has really kind of shown the worst of this young trust the process group and the worst of this OKC group. Um, but I, I do believe that the officials have done a fantastic job in these two series controlling the game. I think that a lot of people had problems with the Utah OKC series with the fact that there was over half a dozen technical fouls in it. But I think that's how you control a game. And, I, and, and you know, it's, it's different than, than in the old days. The old days, they would start fighting. Right now, they just shove each other. And then you start shoving each other more and more and more and more, and then you get horse piles, and people start feeling, feeling like, oh, there's 20 people around me, so now I'll throw a punch. And that's when things get a little bit dirty, and I think that the officials did a really good job of making sure that it didn't escalate to that point. So I know that that's probably against popular opinion, to be honest, because I don't think a lot of people agreed with that. But I do believe that the officials are doing a fantastic job in the fact that they are controlling these games. Something else, though, to talk about is the fact that we have three teams moving on already, guys. The Pelicans. They whooped the Trailblazers. My bracket is already busted. The NBA did a bracket challenge like March Madness. And, man, I didn't... I, I'm sorry. I, I really didn't expect the Pelicans to go out and sweep the Trailblazers because, I don't know, I thought the people just didn't respect the Trailblazers and Damian Lillard and the rest of that team. But, in fact... The Pelicans are playing that good. Rondo and Anthony Davis are working out extremely well together. Some people are saying, do they even need to mark his cousins? Well, just watch this Golden State series. I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State ends up sweeping the Pelicans because they need more than just Rondo and Anthony Davis, quite frankly. Moving to the East, Sixers move on. They'll probably play Boston. Sorry, Milwaukee fans, but... The Sixers are going to have an interesting time playing the Boston Celtics, who are essentially without Gordon Hayward or Kyrie Irving. They only have that really strong, excuse me, they only have that really, really strong core right now, which is showing off against the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Here's what I don't like about the 76ers. Uh, one of the big questions asked right now is if you like the process. I don't. I don't like what the Sixers have done. But, I mean, shout out to the Colangelo family who has just made this team go from a 10-win team a few years ago to Stephen A. Smith not being able to shut up about them going to the finals. And I think that's a big deal because this is a team who shouldn't really be winning. They had young players get injured and you were worried about their future. Yet Ben Simmons and Embiid... Redick is leading this team as a star figure. And I don't think that you can ask for anything more than that, quite frankly. And I'm really surprised with how well this team has done. But I don't like this idea of the process because they tanked. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm going to give it to you straight. They tanked for, for, for years, quite frankly, to get high draft picks. And I don't like the fact. It doesn't settle well with me, the fact. That losing intentionally helps you win. Because when you watch the Phoenix Suns and how dwindled this fan base has become in the Phoenix metro area, it's sad to see. And there were Sixers games last year where the crowd was almost empty. Yeah, winning cures everything, but if it goes on for so long like the Suns have been bad for half a dozen years, when does that fan base damage become permanent? I don't like the fact that it has been proven now that losing can make you win. Maybe maybe that's just America. Maybe that's just American standards embedded into me that you shouldn't lose and that doesn't lead to winning. But it just sits a little bit uneasy to me that, that there is a fact now in the 76 years that you can lose and be good. It just doesn't settle well with me. But let's move on from there, guys. I'm going to end off with my playoff predictions. We're running out of time here in the final episode of, the, of uh, Clutch Talk. And... Before I get to all the thank yous, I'm going to lead off, or finish off, I should say, with my predictions. Sorry that I sound so bad these last uh, two shows. Allergies suck. Whatever's wrong with my throat sucks. But thank you guys for holding on with me. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. For so many weeks, I know that Justin is always listening. Marsh is always listening. Mom and Dad, y'all are always listening. So thank you guys for always being there. Houston beats Minnesota. Utah beats OKC. It's going to be a Houston Warriors Conference Finals in the West. I know. Rejoice, guys. This is going to be fun. This is going to be so much fun. Cleveland beats Indiana. I know. Even I'm disappointed that that would be so much fun to watch. Toronto pulls it out against Washington as those game fives will be here. And then Boston beats Milwaukee. I see Boston, Cleveland, Golden State, and Houston. Those are your two conference finals. I'm going to be cliche. Cleveland Warriors Finals. Warriors win it all. I want to be wrong, though, because dang it, I would love to see both conference finals and then the finals finals going seven games. Man, that would be so much fun, guys. But enough talking. NBA and everything else, guys. My throat is killing me. I'm just about done, I think, because it is all dried up. But I want to thank all of you guys for sticking around this last year on this sports show here on BladesRadioOnline.com. Huge thank you to Weston DeWitt, our sports director here. I was able to learn from the best when I started here at ASU doing sports updates for the Weston DeWitt Show with Eliov. Goodbye. Going to miss them a lot. Weston has some fantastic things going to his future. Eliov's hooking up with uh, Harley. You're out for a fantastic show coming up next semester here on Blaze Radio. Got to thank Richard Dowd, of course, the station manager here at Blaze Radio, the student manager. Uh, Adlin Hazard, the program director here. Huge, huge thank you out to him. 
And of course, everyone who's helped me out, Mitch here has been fantastic uh, doing our sports updates and coming on to the show, talking softball. Weston's been on the show twice, talking boxing with uh, Mayweather McGregor and then also hockey last week. Huge thank you to everyone here at Blaze Radio for a fantastic two years that I've had. One year here with Clutch Talk. Thank you guys. Um, I know that's, that listening to a college show isn't anything crazy, but I've been watching the stats. I've been listening to you guys. Excuse me. Thank you to the guys who have always been out there watching me and being with me this whole time. Love you guys. Thank you for being here for me. My parents have been huge supporters. My brother, uh, Justin, saying that he's listened to every episode. And dang it, I believe it, man. Thank you for listening all the time. Grandma Marshall, thank you for listening all the time. <coughs> oh, my throat is expired, I think, guys. I mean, it, it, it's a good way to, to end the year, I guess. The, the fact that this throat is all drained out and the show's all drained out here on Blaze Radio. Thank you guys for sticking around with me. You can always listen to every episode at mixcloud.com backslash Devin Henry. That's Devin with an O, Henry with a Y. Be sure to subscribe, though. There's going to be plenty more stuff coming up at mixcloud.com backslash Devin Henry. Heartfelt thank you, heartfelt goodbye here on Clutch Talk. One last time, I'm Devin Henry. Have a fantastic day, week, May, and the rest of your summer, guys. I'll see you around next time.